Welcome in to another episode of Patrick Jones Baseball, where we find the best tools to build the best players. On this episode, we have Ari Adut. Ari is currently a hitting coach in the New York Yankees organization. I tell you what, I loved uh, love talking shop with Ari. His energy is is unbelievable, and his journey maybe even far superior than his energy, which is uh, tough tough to do, as you'll see during this episode or, or hear. Um, you know, he actually was a junior college baseball coach, wasn't, didn't want to get into professional baseball at all, and just started posting some of the stuff that he was doing on social media. And it got the attention of several Major League Baseball teams, and it landed him with a job with the New York Yankees. He's got a great story. He's a really smart guy, and I've learned a lot of cool stuff about him. Um, just by just by interacting and talking to talking with them several times, so um, I, I think this is a, a unique ec- uh, episode. I think anyone who is interested in professional baseball and wanting to coach professional baseball really needs to tune into this because you're getting a firsthand glimpse of how to get a job in professional baseball. So, ladies and gentlemen, here is Ari Adut. All right, we are now live with Ari Adut. Um, Ari, thanks for coming on today, man. Oh, thanks for having me, man. Really appreciate it. Yeah, My first time pumped, at this. You know, we're, we're able to do this and, and connect. And, you know, I, I it's, <laughs> we had a conversation the other day that, that lasted a good amount of time. And I can just hear in your voice, like, how excited you are, how much you love baseball, like, your passion for it. And um, can you give all the listeners maybe a little bit of your background in baseball? Because you got a really unique journey um, being now in the Yankees organization, but let's just, let's start back even a little bit further and just like from the beginning to like where you're at now, just kind of like a brief snapshot of everything. All right. Well, you ready? Cause it's, uh, it's, it's pretty, it's pretty out there, man. I mean, we didn't get into <laughs> it, but, um, so I, um, I'm originally from Burbank, California. Um, I went to a high school called John Burroughs high school, uh, I have zero varsity at bats. I was one of those guys that uh, was a you know sophomore on frosh and uh, you know j- junior on JV kind of thing. Um, but you know, going into my senior year, I kind of like dove into like actually you know really getting into it and joined uh, you know working out started working out in a facility and got really into it uh, into training and I actually got you know I was starting to see some progression. And I was excited. I get back for my senior year and boom, I got cut. I was like, oh, wow. Yeah. Uh, so at that age, you know, it's high school, all your friends, you know, it's, it's tough. But uh, it was it was it's you know, it's I wouldn't change anything of this story. It's, it's such a it's it's kind of defined like how, how everything's been in my life, which is which is awesome. So essentially kind of moving forward, I was still wanting to play like I had sights on playing no matter what. So. I was committed to going to JUCO, local JUCO, um, which is Valley College, LA Valley College, where I played two years under Dave Malice, who, you know, I ended up going back and coaching with him, but one of the the biggest mentors in my life uh, by far, and as well as, I can't forget to mention, the guy that I trained with at the facility at the summer before I got cut was Darius Toussaint, who's another big mentor in my life that, like, really guided throughout. Um, but kind of fast forwarding to, I was at the Juco for two years and, you know, the head coach, he didn't know what to expect. Guy got cut, you know, 
all these things. And I just, I was so grateful. I just got, he didn't play favorites, kind of just puts guys out there to compete. And little did I know, I ended up being a two year starter to to all conference, like both years, all conference. Uh, man, it was, it, it was such a cool light, like just such a cool experience overall. Like I loved the Juco setting, everything about it. I learned so like learned the majority of the game from Juco. Um, probably why I ended up going back and coaching in Juco, honestly. But uh, after that, I actually earned a, a scholarship, uh, which was something I never thought would happen, um, to a Division II school called East Central University, which is in Ada, Oklahoma. Um, it's, uh, it's, a, it's a small school uh, in Oklahoma, and I spent two years there, um, enjoyed it. It was such a different experience. Never been out of California, never lived on my own, dorms, the whole nine there. Um, it was awesome. And I knew I still wanted to play. Uh, so junior year, terrible year, but still didn't, still wanted to play like no matter what. Got after it that summer, came back, had another good, uh, had ended up having a good year. Um, and, but you know, not, not enough. To, I wasn't signing any, um, you know, wasn't doing any, filling out any inquiries for any drafts or anything like that, even though in my mind that was always the goal to play pro ball. So the day I graduated college, I just packed up my stuff and drove to uh, Garden City, Kansas to be in the Pecos League. Oh, boy. And I walked on stage, said goodbye to my parents, drove from Oklahoma to Kansas. And uh, thankfully, random luck, my wife's family, she had some family in Garden City, Kansas, which was like crazy, like out of the box, like it was funny because we actually reached out to him recently and I was just telling the story. Like I remember driving up at like 2 a.m. not knowing who I'm meeting and where I'm going. And I just pulled up into this beautiful house that's on like a golf course. Like I was just like, what the heck? And this just so kind old lady comes out and uh, it's my wife's family, obviously. And she she like brings me in and, you know, just I'm in this house and I'm like, wow, this is not what I expected. I thought I was going to my demise, like honestly, like driving across country. Um but, you know, then I wake up the next day and go to the tryout. I get to the tryout, and the first thing I hear is our head coach was fired. <laughs> I was what? like, what? That's so Pecos already. First day. <laughs> first day, like, our head coach was fired. I was like, oh, my God. Like, what am I going to do? But thankfully, I ended up getting in the tryout and made the squad and made it. Uh, played a whole year in Garden City, Kansas, and, and got super lucky. Had a great host family. Met another one of my best friends now and like another mentor named Cody Ellis he's the head coach at um Patrick Henry which is in Virginia junior college uh now he's currently there and uh, we became boys he's a country guy North Carolina like taught me so much about the game like it was awesome so me and him were like one of the five players that lasted all season in the Pecos like on our team like it was the first year for the team too it was the expand like the first year for the Garden City win so um that was awesome uh, got done with that season. Uh, I head back uh, here, getting ready to train. Uh, and I like during that, my head coach reached out to me. Uh, my JUCO head coach, Dave Mouse, reached out to me asking me, uh, you know, if I'm interested in coaching. And I was just like, uh, you know, I don't know. I don't. I'm, I want to focus on training. You know, but I'm gonna. But I told him I'll be there every day because I'm gonna be training. So I come back. And like literally the next thing I know, like first game, like I'm coaching first base somehow. Like he just like got me, like he just suckered me into like it somehow. Like he knew, like I just liked it. Like I was, you know, so I was like, I was just a volunteer and I still trained. So I'd like practice with the team, but I'd also help in anything drills and stuff like that. But I, I just ended up coaching first base. Like, um, so in the meantime, during that, like 
I'm working like my personal training job and, you know, other jobs are just getting creative with it, hustling around and I, I'm still getting ready to go play. So, you know, I didn't get picked up. So I went back to the Pecos for a second year and I played for the Alpine Cowboys, which is in Alpine, Texas. I think it was a city of like a 10,000 people. Um, that was the team I wanted to go to. They, they were like well known in the Pecos League, you know, like the, one of the better teams, championships and the field's historic. Like I think the field's like one of the first fields that ever have lights. Like in baseball, professional baseball period. Oh, I didn't even so know. So it was that. a really Yeah. Yeah. So it's like a really cool, like really cool like history. The stadium's very old school. Like the 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 walls are like cinder blocks. So like you're going head first into that, like, dude, it's it's over. Like it was the ball's <laughs> flying off it. But yeah, and then I played there. Uh after uh, a whole season. Again, made it the whole year, like one of like five. Again, like it's just how Pecos goes. Um, but come back and I was ready to coach again. Like, and I, by the, by the end of that year, I had two good years, but it was, it didn't show for anything, which is fine. It, I learned a ton. Um, I just came back and I was like ready to, you know, settle down, marry my wife and, uh, you know, my now wife and, uh, and, and get into like, you know, grown up job and coaching and stuff like that when no opportunities came and I just dove into it. That yeah, is that's, a long story. That's awesome. First of all, I'm, I'm always I'm always uh, fascinated by anyone who plays in the Pecos League. And I'm curious, do, do you have any um, appropriate Pecos League stories that you could share? Oh man, um, man, I have. There's so many. I feel like you did know. Did you like, get paid? Just, did you get paid? I did. I was okay. honestly. It's so funny. Like I feel like a, like a lot of the times, like the Pecos gets a bad rap, but I'm super grateful for. It. Like it's Me too. it's one of the best. It's one of the best opportunities to continue chasing the dream, man. Like and like it's so cool. Like it, the experiences, the cities I was in, like Roswell, New Mexico. It's like where aliens in Area 51 is. Like White Sands. Uh, like um, Santa Fe, New Mexico, Colorado. Like you you go all over, man. Uh, Arizona, like. It was such a cool experience. Like, I loved it. Like, it's a serious grind, though. Like, you'd be, like, literally, like, you'd drive to Tucson from from Alpine, which is, like, 10 hours, probably. In your and, car, like, right? Uh, I was fortunate enough for Alpine. We, was, we were really well taken care of. So, we actually had shuttles. But okay. in, in, in Garden City, we drove. So, yeah, we're in the cars. And, like, man, like, you get done with a game. And, like, you have a game in a different state the next day. And you're just after and out man like and you're staying at motel sixes man like it was awesome i loved it like such a cool like it's a grind though but i mean let's i mean the i don't know crazy story uh man i remember oh i was part of a i was part of a 37 to 7 game on what? the losing side of it yeah brutal nine innings wait, wait, wait. how many how many home runs were hit Oh, I couldn't tell you, man. By then, you're kind of just in like, dang, like you're in like, what is going on mode? Like, now, uh, is that very... because of the elevation? Yeah, it depends. I mean, it's just the, the the league is very hitter friendly. The parks are small, like really small. Like, I mean, Santa Fe was like two forty down the line, like you to to right, dude. So like, you're flicking balls out. Um, and then Garden City was like, I don't know, maybe like. 300 like you know like so it's just very offensive and then you add some elevation potentially or wind in the case of kansas right like it's it's yeah man it that's like one of the the crazy i remember i was just telling my wife that story the other day like 37 to like seven game and you're on the losing end and you're just trying to in the pecos like you're getting guys like walking out of the dugout like i'm over this (laughs) 
Wow, that is incredible. So it's your incredible. wife was with you both years in the Pecos League? No, actually, no. I was fortunate enough for her to she 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 was still finishing school, so she we were doing the the long distance thing from my junior year for my two years of playing in Indy Ball. So that was a total of four years. So she was just living actually with my family and just finishing up her education and stuff like that, and just working and doing the you know the usual stuff. Okay, okay, I gotcha. So you went mm-hmm. back, like you said, you started coaching again. Um, yeah. junior college baseball. And so what, what ha- kind of happens there? Cause I know you were there for five years, right? So, I mean, is yeah. it every year you're just kind of continuing to chase the, the stream of coaching or like, what's your mindset throughout that time? You know, I, I, I didn't even, I, I know I like, I always liked coaching. Like I definitely always, it was always like something I liked, like I liked like helping my teammates out or whatever, stuff like that. Like and I just my I, my coach like he just Dave Mouse has got such a good feel for like like guidance and like when someone like he's just the right guy for that like and and he just knew like I'd be a good fit. He loved bringing in guys that were in the program to coach again and like kind of get them to like do stuff. Like he got me to get my masters, you know, like got me to do stuff and like so yeah, he just brought me in and like he just knew like right off the bat like it was gonna be for me and I was fortunate enough that next year one of the coaches had left and he was like, Hey, you want to, you want to get paid for this? And I was like, sure. And he's like, all right, here's 10,000. And I was like, you know, that's the stipend. And, and I was just like, Whoa, like, that's like, <laughs> I've heard it said a bunch. And I was like, that's a lot of money. Like at the time, you know, for me at least. Um, and so I just, you know, we just year by year, I just started doing it. You know, uh, first year was just, just defense. You know, he didn't really had a hitting coach. It was more just like kind of by committee, so I would just do outfield, like outfield defense, anything, anything like, um, and then like each year my role just grew and grew. And like, by like this fifth year before I left, you know, to join the Yankees organization, like I, I was like, I was literally part of like 90% of what was going on, like everything, like, like I was doing, you know, I was hitting coach, like, like I was designated as the hitting coach because we, we actually had a really good offensive season when he gave me the opportunity. So he gave it to me again um, after three years of just being part of the program. Um, and I just got designated the hitting coach. So it was awesome. I was the outfield coach. Uh, I did scouting reports and defensive game planning. So like our shifting, I would go through like every team's box, box scores and shift and see where how we we were like one of the only teams that did like crazy shifts. And like we did everything. Um, I was a strength and conditioning coach because my background, I have my bachelor's and master's in kinesiology. So I got to get a ton of experience being a strength coach. Like it was awesome. Um, five years of just programming for, for, you know, 60 athletes. Like what a, what a great like learning experience by any means. I was not prepared for that, but I just, you know, you just kind of go with it. Um, I was recruiting coordinator esque. Like we didn't have that designated, but I kind of coordinated a lot of that as my head coach would say. Um, and I did all the fundraising too, which kind of brought some funds into the program to get the stuff that we were starting to get the last couple of years. Wow. You were a busy man over those, over those five years. So how, take me through a typical day. Cause I know you mentioned before you did some personal training and now you're the strength coach as well at the school and the recruiting coordinator and the hitting coach and, you know, a lot of different jobs. So what, well, what would a typical day be like for you? All right. So by that, by the fifth year, I started teaching at the college because I'd finished my master's. So what I would do is I'd wake up at five, I'd go do my personal training job till about nah, uh, no, till about like 1030. And then I'd go teach my class, which was from like 1130 to 
to 12 and then I'd have the kids, the, the, the guys come into the weight room from 1250 to about two. And then we'd lift, get our lift in. Uh, and then after that, we'd go straight to the field at start practice at like two 15, uh, let them get some food and stuff like that. And then we'd go to about 6 PM. So it was, you know, the, and then, then I'd go back after practice and go back to personal, my personal training job. I'd start working again and then go to about like eight and I call it a day. Gee, when did you have time to program and do anything else? Man, you just you just find a way, man. It's crazy. You know, like there's just – yeah, you, like you just find time off season. Like I would plan ahead. I was very – I'm very a plan ahead guy. So I would have our entire uh, off season, in season plans done before I got the fall. Like everything would be prepared. So I would just plan ahead. Yeah, actually, that I'm glad you brought that up. Um, we were talking off the air before, and, and one of the things – that you had mentioned to me that you had did um, when you were coaching in junior college is, uh, like you said, plan ahead. But you also talked a lot about planning the practices ahead, like a month ahead. And I, am I remembering that correctly? And can you kind of yeah, absolutely, on that? yeah, for sure. So during my master's program, like I learned this like really cool concept. If I'm not mistaken, I think it's called reform learning. Um, and I wrote my thesis on it, and like. It was like this concept of like preparing students in a classroom, like before they get to the classroom. So what I decided was like, all right, that's like kind of cool. So what I would do is my goal is like, I know like a lot of there's like tons of different learning styles and I, and everyone's like a different learner. There's like visual, visual, there's auditory, there's reading and writing, and then there's kinesthetic. Right. And I wanted to make sure like we can hit all those potentially, or at least some of those before we start. Obviously, you can't do the kinesthetic stuff, but the reading, the auditory, and the visual are possible before you even get to practice. So what I would do is I created this Google Doc, and I would upload our practice plans the night before, and we would send them out to the guys, and they would have access to see them. And it wasn't like a forced, like whether they want to read them or not. Like we'd obviously hope that they would, but if they didn't, they didn't. But at least when they got to the field, it wasn't the first time they were hearing what we were explaining because we would just re-explain everything at practice and but by with the visual thing the other visual way in the reading and writing we'd get a whiteboard and draw stuff on the whiteboard potentially or kinesthetically like do like movements or whatever it was right like show them but we would try to hit all those learning styles so that was one way we do the practice plan the night before and send it to them so they knew before they got to the field what's on the plan potentially if they read it and just go from there and then as for the hitting side and the strength and conditioning side i would plan like a month ahead everything we would do from like what we would do in the cages bp in the weight room whatever it was um and send it to them so they had the whole layout of the month and i'd like theme it uh what i say i had like a very i had um ten thousand hour september so you know the ten thousand hour rule that was like the theme of it so like you know mastery of ten thousand hours like putting your ten thousand hours so you can get mastery of the skill uh, that was the theme of it and it, every day it would have and they could just refer back to it and it wasn't always like by the book always, but at least it gave me like a blueprint of like, if I needed to adjust something on the practice plan, because everything, everything needs adjustments. So like at times, you know, things will come up. Um, I would have a blueprint to go back to and be like, oh, I could just tweak this drill a little bit or tweak this BP setting, or maybe this is too hard of a progression. I can reverse back this way, or maybe this was something that we really need to focus on. I can put this back up here, changes down there. Um, but that's kind of how I did. And I'd send it to them the month before or the, the, like the day before the, the last day of the month and they'd have it and they could look at it 
and I put videos in the Google Drive. I put, you know, practice plans and whatever, you know, whatever we were doing. Those, those, they had all their strength and conditioning programs in there, uh, everything. Oh, that's awesome. I've I've never I've heard of of coaches sending out the practice plan beforehand, but to plan out a month ahead, I've never heard of anybody do that. Yeah, it was. Uh, I don't know. I just I presented it. I remember just thinking about it, and I was like, why not? I, you know. It, but the thing is, too, like you're not going to get everyone. Every single guy's not going to like read it. Like it's just sure. how it is. Like not everyone's going to read it. But the cool part is the guys that do. Like you're getting them to the field and like it's not gonna be the first time they're hearing whatever you're teaching, like or whatever you're 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 asking to be done at practice. It won't be the first time seeing it or hearing it. It'll be the maybe the second, potentially the third, you know, and then they can help their teammates because they have a better understanding of it or whatever it is. Like it just I was trying to it was like a big classroom. Like you're trying to make it a classroom without being a classroom. Like that's what I was trying to do. I like that. Do you think anybody could use that same format, like what whatever level they're coaching at? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it takes a lot, but see, this is the thing. Like I, a lot of it's like extra work, like you're not getting paid for. Right. So I think at times, like it's hard for people to do that. Like, but like, it's, it's something for me, like I, it was fun. Like I liked it. I love it. Like planning stuff like that. Like, man, it's any, any level. I think you can do a travel ball. You can do it high school, you, you know, giving i think especially with this generation like they're so visual and like technology savvy like dude you can pull a google drive on your on an app on your phone like quick like boom and it's right there and like oh this is what we got in practice first and third heck yeah let's go and then we got some uh, angled machine like this is for vp like god that thing cars me up i can't wait though this, i know what we're doing today like you know that's what, that's what you can get i like that i like that a lot um, yeah, that, I mean, that's, that's very unique. Like I guess I've never heard that uh, a whole month out at a time. That's very, very cool. So what, like during the actual fall, like take me through the fall and the winter, like what, like you talked about planning out your practice plans and things like that, but what would an actual practice normally look like during the fall? Yeah, for sure. So, so California JUCOs is all, like, is basically my only expertise in the sense of like, of what I know. Um, so, and especially just what we did. So what I know what we did, we do, uh, we did like your basic would be like, like I said, you go to weights or you have Sweden agility before practice. And then we would go, uh, you start with like catch play, obviously, and warm up and then catch play. And then you'd go into some type of either individual defense or team defense or flip vice versa. So we would do individual and then go into team or do team, then go into individual. And then that would lead into uh, BP. Um, My last year, though, I really wanted to make an emphasis on base running. So we would do base running first um, and we would do base running first. So you kind of sprinkle that in and the, the day would always end with batting practice. My head coach loved batting practice, like, you know, just so we do it a lot. So are you pretty good at throwing BP? Um, I wouldn't say pretty good. It's a working progress. I would give myself very average. I'm an outfielder by trade. So I've had to kind of finagle my arm slot a little bit. Um, so I would say I'm all right. <laughs> <laughs> Were you the one always throwing though at Juco? Uh, thankfully, you know, my, one of the requirements, my coach, the, my head coach usually asks is, uh, is can you throw BP and swing a fungo? Um, and he's, he throws money BP, like too, too good of BP. Like, you know, it's like so perfect. Like, so me and him would alternate. And then there's usually another coach I would throw. So I would, I started getting into throwing a lot though, the last couple of years, um, and just trying to get, you know, get better at it. And, and like, I like to facilitate 
the setting of BP a lot, especially if it's like my quote unquote creation of the practice plan. Like I feel like I can facilitate it best at times. So I would try to be the one, like at least do the first two groups. We would, we would basically split every day. Like I would do three, he would do two, he would do two, I would do three. Um, but yeah. Well, like how many rounds would each guy get? Cause I know one of the things in BP is sometimes, um, especially actually we haven't even talked about the rules in JUCO, right? Where you, it's not very strict. You I mean, you could practice forever and ever. So you put yeah. a limit on how many swings each guy's taken. Yeah. I mean, I guess the first few years, like it was your general, like, you know, three by five or four by five, but like towards the last few, when I started to get, you know, create some, get creative and stuff, there wasn't really, you know, we would just you know, it would vary. Like, I mean, I, our guys loved it cause they literally never did the same batting practice once the entire fall. Like it was something different. Some little tweak was different every time. And they, to, I'm not saying that's the right way to do it. It was just fun for them. Like now that I look back at it, I definitely like simplified a little more and try to hit a couple more things, but you know, it was a working progress. We were just trying to create a very dynamic, like fun, competitive, game-like environment for them in 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 practice like that was the goal i also like how you mentioned before that base running was first um which makes sense because you know a lot of times you know we'll wait to do it to the very last and by that time players are kind of checked out sometimes um what do you did you guys have a certain base running philosophy or like how'd you go about that um, you know, no, not really. I mean, it's, it's something I wish now looking back that I dove into more, but no, we were just general, like teach our general philosophies. Like we didn't, um, you know, like, you know, just the basic stuff, like the thing about Juco, right? Like, especially the one I was at, it's like, you don't know what you're going to get. Like, you don't know what kind of athlete you're getting. You could get, you, you may be getting like a bounce back or you may be getting a kid that's just super athletic and went to some high school and doesn't know any fundamentals. So like, you're teaching like I remember one year I had to teach guys how to catch a ball with two hands. Whoa. Yeah. Like they were putting their hand behind the pocket and I, I got, I, I had to, I had to regress my progression plan that I had to just learning how to catch a fly ball period. So I would make them put their hand behind their back and like, they got so relied with two hands that I would just make them catch the ball with one hand, like with the glove off the machine. Like, and they had to keep the other hand behind the back the entire time. And then I would progress to, all right, now you have to do the same thing with two hands. And then now you have to do it with two hands moving when you're going through the ball. Like there was sometimes you have to regress like that much because you just don't know what type of athlete you're going to get. Like it was, it was so different. We weren't a powerhouse. Like we're not bringing in cream of the crops, like top dogs, you know, like it was, it was, we got what we got. We recruited, but we got what we got. And then we just tried to make, like, my goal was always to make the best of what we had. Like that was our goal as a program, like just to make the best of what we had. That That's a really good point though that you kind of just uh displayed of how i think sometimes as coaches we just assume players at a certain age or level that they know how to do things and it's, and it's really cool to hear you say like you quickly realize that like they didn't necessarily know how to catch the ball with two hands and so without yeah. since you didn't assume it then you're able to kind of go back in and start you know really going back down to the basics how long would a typical practice be because i know juco rules are a little bit different yeah, I mean, you can go as long as you want. We didn't have lights, so when the day, when the the sun went down, is when it was all kind of over. You know, like that was it. Like it was literally it. Like we would go until the sun ended. Like, and the thing, the cool part, the one of the things, like if we did have lights, like I could only imagine because we have one of the some of the greatest facilities in the state of California. Like at any level, like all turf stadium, brand new weight room. Like we were so fortunate to get it the last 
my when I first came to coaching was the first year we got it. When I played there, it was this very old school, like your typical like graveyard, like you know, groundhogs everywhere, like kind of thing. And now it's like this beautiful, beautiful stadium. Like it's so awesome. But uh, kind of going back to one thing I want to touch on, kind of going back to the fly ball thing, like the coolest part about that, it wasn't just the regression. It was after you did that, after I did that, like changed it to see how much better they got. Like it, it was crazy because a lot of them are freshmen. And by the sophomore year, like I'd see them and it's like, I don't even need to work about teaching about two hands anymore. All these guys were good. Like they became like I could advance to like running with your head down and going to get a ball. Like it was so cool to see their progress. It was one of the most rewarding things, like to see how much better they got from starting from literally basics of how to catch a fly ball. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. yeah I'll awesome. tell you what, it's a, there, there is no really better feeling than to see that as a coach. And, and you're kind of probably like patting yourself on the back too, but like, I, I can coach a little bit, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> no, nah, it's all them, man. Literally. I like, it's all them. They, they, I just, I, I kind of like, uh, I just, I create the plan and they execute it. That's the, that's their job, man. Like, like that's my job is just to facilitate and try to give them guidance. Like, honestly. So how, how did you go about recruiting players? Because, uh, I, I know earlier I asked about your, your typical schedule. I mean, you don't really have a ton of time to go out looking for players. No doubt. No doubt. So Juco in California, man, it's, it's it's interesting it's a challenge um so one of the way you know there's no letters of intent so you'll get a guy that's like i'm coming to you like he bring him on a visit he loved you bring his parents and then he goes visits another juco and like he's like he just doesn't text you back and he's that's it he tells you he's coming he goes to somewhere else but there's no letters of intent so in there's there was like 10 jucos in like a 20 mile radius around us so you, you could pick your poison. Like they, the kids honestly didn't care if we had the nice facilities. Like they would go where they wanted to go. So what I did uh, is I did a couple things. I would go to all the games. My, my, my head coach has a really good reputation in the, in the Valley is what it's called in the Valley. So I would go to all the games and no one knew me, dude. I didn't play high school ball. Like I'm not well known in the area. I'm just like a bird dog. And I would just go and just like write down names and try to find hidden gems. Like and try – try to get to know the coaches man but honestly like i like i kind of look young so so coaches would like give me like this this like what this guy's a coach at a college like no 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 like like i'm not gonna get you know like i'm not gonna talk to this guy like i'd get that a lot like a lot and it was funny um it was honestly funny and but i would still go and i just make the list and i would just I, you know the way i would reach out to them like i would try to get a hold of them somehow and get in contact and you know, try to go by all the rules and stuff, but and bring them in. A lot of the times we use the kids at the school because they're from all over. So the kids on our team, like they went to all these high schools. So we'll use them as connections. Um, a crazy thing I did actually is I would play in adult league games. So in the, in the, in the Valley adult league, so popular, like juke guys play Juco. And then like they, they, that's it. That's their pinnacle for them. And then they go to adult league. So you're playing with all these guys that know all these kids in the Valley and you're getting high schoolers that are playing the adult league. So I would go play in the adult leagues and play in them and try to recruit the kids that are I'm playing against in the adult leagues. Cause they're like high schoolers or, or like former, or they're the dads of the high schoolers. Like I would just play Like it was, it was a great recruiting tool. Like I would just go in there and be on second base and the shortstop's like a kid from high school, like down the road or whatever. And pretty good. And I just talk to him and oh, what's your plan for next year? Like, Oh, we should, we should get in touch. Like, Stuff like that. Wow. Uh, oh yeah, do you do it all? And then, and then, like ultimately, honestly, I create uh, my last year. I just I wanted to draw. 
I wanted to, I wanted to do, I wanted to try to get better at it. Like I wanted to try to get like, what can I do? Like, and so what I did is like, I created my Twitter. Like I'm not a social media guy. Like my platforms are quite quiet. Uh, I don't like actively post. So I was like, I'm going to make this coaching Twitter and just like post everything we do. Like all our drills, all our weight room, like the environment we have, like the culture, everything. And I'm just going to post every day, every day, like everything, like everything. And I, I did it and I would just use that as a tool, man. I would just send it out, send it out. Like, you know, I would follow every, like, I don't I created, it was a, such a coaching Twitter. Like I followed everyone involved in baseball. Like it's not a personal account at all. You don't see any pictures of me, like with my family, nothing like that. It's just for coaching. And I would just follow a bunch of people. Like I didn't realize how good Twitter was like, crazy good resource at times obviously right but like yeah totally. like I, like like i would just go and and like just follow different coaches i dm coaches like i mean how did we link up i linked up with you through dms dude right. like you yeah. know what i mean like it, i couldn't ima- i was just like i can't believe i didn't have twitter like five years ago like just for professional reasons it's crazy yeah, i mean you, you bring up a great point i mean everyone at times rips on uh hitting twitter but the thing is, is if you only look for the negative, you're going to feel find it like you'll find it like wherever. And that's in anything in life. But even to this day, there's a lot of really good information on Twitter. Um, you just got to be looking. You just got to have your sights on on good stuff. And like when you see something bad, you don't you just keep searching, really. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's like it's so like and like I would like literally the intent behind my Twitter was literally only for recruiting like I wanted to draw recruiting as best we can I wanted to get but you know you want to get those dudes that are picking you between the other school you want to show them what you can do like and all I would do is like I'd make sure like when I would post like I would use like us and like I would use like what we do and us instead of like me and I like I would those are the words I'd use like I would never try to like you know like you know i would not like try to tell people like this is how you need to do it like no i would just say like this is how we do it like this is you know this is how it is when we're part of us like this is our our philosophy like not trying to like create any conflict like avoid any confrontation like i was just trying to build our program like through social media honestly so what what ended up happening after you started posting i mean did you get new recruits or like what was the feedback yeah it was i mean honestly like i did it before i got this yankees job right so um i was getting i was getting followers man like but like literally like i was just posting like some workouts and i would just like you know tag the the if i was using driveline equipment i'd tag it if i was using jager bands you know tag whatever like i'll throw the tags and i was starting to get dms questions like I, I honestly, it was kind of funny. One of my first posts, like I got like a total, like guy tried to totally troll me and I was like, I'm not, I'm not getting into an argument on Twitter. Like I'm not, like, I just left it as it is. Like, that's not what it's about, man. Like, it's like, I'm just trying to promote and guys would ask us like, how do you use that? Like, what do you do with that? Like, what's your experience with that? And I would just tell them like, you know, like what I thought and how I went and then like, didn't, I didn't have all the answers. I was just trying to figure it out like everyone else, but I didn't care. Honestly, like for us, like, I didn't care like if someone saw the drills we did and like the, the way we structured everything, like to me, like, and I think we, I talked to you about this before. Like to me, it was just like, you can see everything we do, man. You just have to do it better than us. Like, that's how I saw it. And like, I like, that was, that was the philosophy. Like see everything we do. Like you can take everything you have, but you still have to like coach it, how we coach it and do it, how we do it, you know? Yeah, no, for sure. For sure. So you, okay. So you definitely, you got some good feedback. Um, 
what else what like anything else transpire from you putting that out like were you getting recruits emailing you like or were like who was kind of reaching out to you yeah i mean <laughs> i mean honestly like I, I we were getting recruiting but i was i was starting to get some some unexpected interest obviously right like um like professional organizational interest in me um and which was like totally blindsiding like not expected at all um but yeah i was getting i was it was like i was trying to promote our guys but somehow like i i started getting traction from organizations like i was getting dms like like honestly like that's how i have my job like because of twitter and just posting like posting posting our stuff keeping it you know like that was how i that's how i that's how everything happened like and I had no intentions of ever coaching in pro ball. Like I didn't even think it was feasible to be honest. Like I, you know, I figured the old sat, like the old saying, like you had to have played affiliated, all that stuff. And like, you know, like I've heard like podcasts and stuff where guys are like, you know, if you do these certain things, like you're going to have the opportunity. I was always like, yeah, like, yeah, whatever. Like it was never my intention. My goal was always to be like a head coach at a Juco. Like I was applying for head coaching jobs and I didn't get one interview. I applied for like 10 Juco jobs and like, 15 head summer ball coaching jobs and i didn't get any but i'm getting like t dms from pro teams interested in me being a coach and i was just like what is going on this is insane like insane you think you could get any of those interviews now <laughs> uh <laughs> probably probably <laughs> probably 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 so you brought yeah. up a good good uh, interesting point there you, you said how um well first off i, I think it's cool that you weren't even looking for it. It just kind of happened. And I also like how when you were putting out your tweets, yeah, you never were using like I or me. It was more like us about the team. You know, you really were, you, like you said, you were doing that to get recruits, help out the program. And because you were just thinking of, you know, your team, you actually ended up helping out yourself. And so that's kind of a good lesson for everybody, really. No doubt. No doubt. It's like, it's like, like, for me, like, it was like, there's just like big, there's this quote that like always stuck in my head. Like, I don't know where I heard it. I've heard it said a bunch, but it's like, make the big time where your feet are. And it's like, so it's like, for me, like, like we would say, like, we would tell our recruits or we tell our guys, like, like Valley College is your UCLA. Like, this is your UCLA. Like, make it like you said. And that's how I took it. I was like, this is my like pinnacle. Like, this is what I want my UCLA or whatever it is. This is it. So like, for me, like, I wouldn't look at, I wouldn't like, I'm not a big, like, even though it's funny because I program ahead, but I don't like set goals, personal goals way ahead. Like I have obviously aspirations, but like, I, I feel like, like, if you look too far ahead, it takes you away from what's actually happening. And like, so I'm just like super in the moment. So I would just like, I put everything like into the program because I love, I literally love the Valley College program, like the head coach, everything about it. Like, I like loved it. Like I would, like I would, I'll, I'll go back there in the off season. Like I still talk to my head coach. Like every other day we text, I send him your podcast, another podcast, like a book, like, you know, like I'll send him a bunch of whoa, stuff, whoa, you whoa, know, whoa, like whoa. other podcasts. Hey man, I'm just you know, kidding. we're all trying to get kidding. better. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah tons awesome. of stuff, man. That's awesome. Uh, so when you said you, you listened to other uh, people talk about how to get jobs in professional baseball and you were like, yeah, 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 like whatever. So there's other people out there out there listening to this now who want to be like you, right? And want to end up coaching for a professional like team. Like us. Yeah, like that's us. true. But this episode's about you, <laughs> not me. So right. what, like, what advice would you give them? 
Um, for sure, use social media like like for the right reasons. Like, um, I mean, now that I say like do some promotion, like that'd be a good idea. Like, it's just such a free resource in, in the baseball world. I feel like, in my opinion, Twitter's massive. You can reach big league coaches to like little league travel ball, and you can slide in either of the DMs. And like, what's the worst thing that can happen? They don't respond to you. Like, okay, and then you just move on to the next one, right? Like, if you have questions. Um, avoiding confrontation on Twitter, like I already talked about, like that's super big, uh, kind of, um, another thing, which is huge is, uh, learning conversational Spanish, not like learning Spanish, but learning actually how to conversate. Like I'm fortunate enough to, to be fluent, um, which is in a whole nother story within itself because I'm not Latin at all, but, um, that's going to, that would take us in a whole nother rabbit hole. Can you, can you so, take us down that rabbit hole really quickly? <laughs> All right, really quick. So, so I'm a first generation like baseball player. So my dad's like originally from Israel. So like baseball is not a thing in Israel. It's so like I was, you know, I kind of just fell into baseball. I started like a late age. But anyways, um, I was fortunate enough at a young age. We had uh, me and my sister had this nanny. My family hired this nanny, and you know, this nanny ended up being with my family to this day. Not as our nanny, but now she's like my other mom. And she spoke to me in Spanish, me and my sister, every single day. So we're both fluent in Spanish. Oh, um, okay. And so, yeah, so my sister does like Latin Grammy stuff. Like she works on Latin Grammys and like she's not Hispanic. <laughs> and then I am I do like, you know, I use my Spanish a lot. And like she's she's such an important person in my life. The, the, the woman that taught me Spanish, she walked with me down the aisle when I got married. She's like my other mom. So like it wasn't just like she was like my nanny. She was like my other mom. Like she was there my whole life. Like everything she's still with me to this day obviously like she lives in california but she taught me how to speak fluent spanish so now like i'm fluent my sister's fluent my mom became fluent my dad's pretty fluent and my wife actually because we've been together for so long she's starting to get pretty good like it's like impressive you know so when you guys talk to each other is it just solely in spanish i mean oh 100 um with 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 my nanny yeah, or no, like even with oh. your wife, like with your wife. No, no, she's not there yet. She's, she, you know, it's like I said, conversational Spanish is one thing. It's like having the confidence to say what you want to say in, in conversation. Like she understands a majority of it, but it's just like being able to express it. It's like a whole nother thing. Like, and like not being, I think I find it tough. Like, or I, I notice that like, it's like people are like scared to be wrong, which is normal. Like we are like, I think innately we're scared to be wrong and stuff, but like, when you're trying to learn Spanish, like you kind of need to be wrong because it's not like the Spanish speaker is not going to correct you or try to figure out what you're saying. Like we just, you know, you just throw it out there and whether they understand it or not, you just kind of go from there. So I think like learning how to conversate is like very important because you can pull like from different things to explain something. So it's like, I don't know the exact verb I want to say. I can describe it in other ways because I know the, how to say it other things, you know, isn't that, I mean, how long, I wouldn't say how long, but I mean, what what would you recommend to someone to try to learn that, right? Because Duolingo only can do so much. It can't really no teach you conversational skills. No, I would say like literally like ch a challenge I think would be a good one would be like just have someone and be like, let's just let's just have like a 30 minute talk today, all Spanish, like both of you that don't speak Spanish, like and see how it goes, like or or have someone that speaks Spanish or like have like a Zoom call with like let's just do it all in Spanish. And like, let's just go. Like I was doing, I was doing this free course recently called learning how to learn. And there's this guy and he's learned like 10 languages. And what he would do is he would just immerse himself into it. And he would say like, 
he would like literally like fly to the countries though. But like he would just immerse himself into it and just con- like he said, the best way I would learn is by just having conversations like better than any test, any book, like just having conversations in Spanish. Mm. So do, okay. even if it doesn't sound good, <laughs> what's that? Even if it doesn't sound good, yeah, I was gonna say. Uh, I mean that that's a, I think that's the best way to go about it, though. I really do because kind of what you were saying before. I mean, it's one thing to be able to repeat some phrases, but at the end of the day, we want to be able to communicate with with these players, Absolutely. and and you know you have to do that through conversation. And also, um, correct me if I'm wrong, but the Spanish like down in the DR is not really punctually or like correct, right? It's fast. They have tons of lingo. Um, mine's like more like Mexican Spanish. So like, uh, it took me, there's some things I have that, you know, I had to learn for sure. Like, I mean, but like, I pick them up quickly because obviously I speak the tongue, but like, there's, there's tons like Venezuelans have their own dialect. Cubans have their own dialect. There's, there's little things that come up, but like, those are, those become like, not as necessary. If you can just conversate, like you, if, everyone will kind of get the gist. Like you need to be able to explain the gist and be confident in saying like what you want to say. You know, and then he kind of goes from there. So you were with the Yankees now. You've done, um, you know, obviously everything was cut a little bit short um, so far. But I know you went down to the DR, Dominican Republic. Uh, Was that your first time there? And secondly, did you have to kind of uh, take a step back and with your Spanish and and talk a little bit different or learn a little bit different way because of, of how they speak down there? Um. You know, honestly, uh, it was my first time. Uh, but no, because, you know, one of the cool things was in the Pecos League, um, I actually played with, with uh, Rodney Polonia's son, Rodney Polonia's son, who was like a, a career big leaguer. Like his dad was like a big time big leaguer, like played with a bunch of teams. I think he won some World Series. Um, and I played with his son, who's Dominican. And then I played with a Panamanian. Um, and we, they, they taught me that, 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 like that style, like with the slang, the, the way they go about it. I mean, dude, I learned so much from those guys. Like, like I was like this American, like born player, like get your foot down early and, you know, like, you know, step and swing and all these basic stuff. And they're like, papi, come on, levanta la pierna y dalo así, you know, like just lift up your leg and give it like that. Like they just give you like this swagger to it. Like it was so, you know, just hit this ball hard, dude. Like stop trying to be so mechanical. Like they taught you so much, you know, like I learned a ton from them too. Um, and so like I learned, I knew it already going into it. So I just kind of like, you know, when I got there, I was like, all right, let's do it, man. Like I'm ready for the fire. Like, let's awesome. jump me in, jump in. What like what what is it like down there? Um, I know you can't get too detailed with like what you guys do, but just from like a cultural standpoint and and just from um, in a sense like the players, like what are they kind of like? Like what's it like down there? You know, it's kind of cool. Like one of the cool things about it is like it's it's a it's not it's, it's very similar to what my last job was, right? Like I'm getting these teenagers from like. You know, DR is like 16 to 20 or whatever, but like I was doing six, I was doing, uh, what I was doing 18 year olds to 23 year olds. Like the age range was very similar. So it's not like I was going into something like I didn't know how to coach that age. I was, I've been coaching that age for five years. So it was like, all right, cool. Like I, I you know, I kind of just jumped right into it and like, man, they just, they got so much energy, like the music, like I love it. Like, I mean, obviously you can tell I'm kind of like an energizer, like, 
you know, I'm the guy that runs out and gives everyone knuckles every day and says good morning and stuff like that. Like, that's me. Like, I'm that guy. Like, so like, you know, we just click, man. Like, I just get along with them so well. And like, just like I did in indie ball, like I get along with, with, with Latin players so well, I feel like at least, um, they might say something different, but <laughs> what was the food <laughs> but, like? Oh man, it's, uh, it's good. Rice and beans, bro. You just get big, man. I was, I was packing on the size the good way, but you know, lots of just basic stuff. Like you're not getting a lot of American food in a sense, but you're getting rice and beans and you know, all your quality proteins and carbs and stuff like that and vegetables, everything you need, you know, nothing, nothing too crazy. Um, you're just seeing some different stuff. Uh, like food like you're not used to eating but i would just go for it you know i'm a big like try anything once and see how it goes you know and maybe i don't like it like i'm a i love food so that was cool like i'll try anything um but i'm not gonna lie when i got back to the states like i was craving a cheeseburger like i crushed a cheeseburger when i in the airport like when i was getting back like oh, that's that's awesome so, so yeah did you stay i know it's a little bit different for each organization down there but did you stay like on uh, on campus there or did you stay in yeah. a hotel off? Mm-hmm. No, I stayed, stayed on there. campus there. Okay. Yep. I stayed I, at first I stayed in a hotel off and then I just didn't like the, to commute. I like to be like immersed in my setting, I guess. Um, so yeah, then I was just there and every day, man, you just get up, get my lift in, you know, get some, get some breakfast and just go, go get it, go get it in that hot sun. Dude, that sun, dude, it's different. It's different, man. The first day, no sunscreen. And I, my, I like, I had this tan and my, my arm was purple and I was like, Oh baby, Ooh. I got, I got to put it on. Like it got to put the sunscreen on when you're out there, like no matter what, like I, I was like, why are you guys wearing long sleeves? Like it's like a hundred degrees out here with some humidity. And like, I, I understood why, like it's just, the sun is so strong, Man. so strong, beautiful country though. Beautiful weather, like everything. It's, it's, it's fun. No stop signs though. Right. Oh, don't don't get me started about traffic rules. Uh-oh. There are none. There are none. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's are a, none. I'm not gonna lie. That's actually the reason I brought up. Did you stay on campus or off? Because I figured if you were having to commute every day, you'd have some stories. I've commuted. Yeah, man. No, yeah. You 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 can be driving on a highway with like a, a one lane, like a a two lane highway going one direction, and like a motorcycle with three people like split you going the other way in the same lane. Wow. Like, it's like, yeah, it's different. The traffic, you know, the, there's, it's just different. It's a different world, you know, like it's, it's, I'm from like suburban California and like, I'm in this, you know, like Latin country, just, just living it. I was, I didn't have, you know, I was, I didn't have the balls to drive, to be honest. Like I wasn't going to drive, but dude, our pitching coach drove me around, man. Like he was like, let's go. And I was like, and he's, it's funny. Cause he's from Iowa. Well, originally from Minnesota. He was a Nyack uh, former pitching coach and like, Man, he, me and him became super tight. Like he was a gringo and I was a gringo, and like, and like I was like, all right, cool, man. Like, and like he was, he he like lived there full time. Like he was there the whole time. I was flying like month at a time was the plan. You know yeah, what? What is? Could you like let everyone know your title and what that exactly entails? Yeah, for sure. No, like simple. I'm I'm a hitting coach in the DR. Like I'm one of the three hitting coaches in the DR. Um, I I you know I I just I'm part of the staff, man. I run the you know. I organize the the plans for hitting and obviously with the hitting coaches, like we do everything together um, and, and try to just that that's basically it, man. But my, the only reason I do the commute is because my wife, obviously. So I'll, I'll, uh, I'll go up there for a month and, you know, I'll come down and I, well ended up not, I was coming down because of the, the shutdown, but 
that was my time to come down anyways for about a little bit just to, you know, be with my wife because it's very, very important for me, especially now that she's pregnant. So I got to got to be there for that, which is another blessing in disguise that, you know, we kind of got shut down, which is very unfortunate, but I kind of get to be here for the whole pregnancy, which is, which is good, uh, which is good for sure. That's yeah, that is really cool. So you, you go there for a month, then you come back to uh, Tampa where you're at for like a week or something. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I'll just kind of, just kind of go to the facility and go and do, do whatever's asked of me. Um, but it was, there's no, there wasn't like a set, set schedule necessarily. I, it was just kind of like what I, you know, what I, what I needed to come home and like our video guy would come home, you know, he'd go home every couple months or whatever for the weekend. Like it just, you know, when you're not, when you, you don't have family down there, like that, that's the only thing, like you just miss your family at times. Like the, I mean, do the job is amazing. It's the coolest job. Right. But you know, you just miss your wife, you miss your dog. Like I, at least I do. Like I miss like, you know, those things. That's awesome, man. Now this is this has been a lot of fun, and I am actually um, looking over at your uh, Twitter profile right now. Back when you were posting stuff, um, when you started to get interest from professional teams, just to see what you were tweeting, and I'll make sure to put your Twitter link um, in the show notes, so if anyone wants to check it out as well. But the reason why I'm kind of bringing that up is, you know, obviously you're posting, um, you know, some really good content, but you know, you only have like 400 tweets. And I think there's people out there with like 30,000 tweets. And I think what it really shows more than anything is it's really about the quality, not the quantity. And, you know, you're not even necessarily getting, you know, 50,000 views on a video you post or anything, but you don't need 50,000 views. You need, you need really, in a sense, like one important view. And you need one important and a retweet. person to see it. One of you, exactly. You need one, that's the key, right? You need one, one good one. Like, like, like whatever that is to whoever that is. And one like tweet, like by a retweet, like, and then it's just like, dang, like everyone's starting to see it. And like, that was not my intention, but it just happened. I was starting to get retweeted. Like, I remember one of the videos that I had, like went like, yeah, like 10,000 views. And I was like, what the heck is going on by one retweet? Like, and then it just kept going. It's crazy. So I see also I'm on here that Steve Springer came out to you guys. Like what was oh, yeah. a uh, mental game? Like what, what was your takeaway from that? Oh man. I mean, dude, I've been listening to Steve Springer for a long time. Like my head coach, uh, he would, put, he would put it in like during BP, we'd be listening to it during BP or on car rides. So like, obviously like my role was the fundraise. So we, we actually did a really good job and created some, you know, fundraising so we could actually bring guys like him in. So he came in, man. And he, you know, he'll even tell you he's a one hit wonder man, but it's, it's one awesome hit, right? Like it's just, he'll just tell you, he's just a baseball guy, you know, like he's a baseball guy. He gets it. Like, he, you know, like he, he, he'll give you his mental side and, you know, which was huge for me, like that I learned in college, like, and so like I support him, like everyone, it's a big part of the game that's overlooked, like, you know, him and the, in the Alan Jagers of the world, like those guys, like, you know, they help, like, it's important and you just got to find time to do it. Like, yeah, actually if we've had Alan on the show and he, he's awesome too. I, and I agree with you. Mental game is, is really, really important. Um, Man, this has been a lot of fun. And is there anything else before we uh, we kind of get off the air here that you want to add or say to anyone out there listening? Uh, I just want to start by thanking, like, you know, the people that helped me get to where I am. You know, it's really important to me. And uh, so, like, to just start off, like, thank my wife and my, my family. Like, I wouldn't be there, be here in the position I am without them. Um, some, like, very influential hitting coaches along the way, uh, like Darius Toussaint, who I mentioned earlier, and... Uh, Dirth Parker, who was my four-year, uh, you know, hitting coach at ECU, 
And then uh, Dave Malice, who's my head coach at Los Angeles Valley College, who I played for and then ended up working alongside for, who ended up giving me the first opportunity to coaching and letting me really develop into my, you know, where I am now. He's a big, big role in that. And then uh, obviously the Yankees organization for giving me this this opportunity. Like uh, it's something that, you know, never thought would come, like I said. And uh, just to be surrounded by an amazing organization and just great people every single day is uh it's huge. It's it's super important, and uh, I'm super grateful for that. And then lastly, like I said, if anyone has any questions, just feel free to reach out to me on Twitter or DM me or anything like that. If anything about pro ball or whatever questions coaches have, I'm 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 an open book and willing to help anyone that needs help. Awesome. All right. Really appreciate your time, man. Thanks for listening to another episode of Patrick Jones Baseball. Make sure to go subscribe on iTunes so you can stay up to date on the latest trends and techniques being taught in player development. Until next week, hope everyone stays safe.